Victor Tiffany, OG of the Bernie or Bust movement, was in my inbox the other day regarding President Obama's recent DNC speech. Victor, of course, isn't the only one who has taken issue with this speech, but he did take the time to prepare some remarks regarding the constitutional part of the speech. Obama delivered this speech from the History of the American Revolution Museum in Philadelphia, standing next to an exhibit on the U.S. Constitution. Even though the entire speech is pretty shady, Victor especially took issue with the first minute of it. Let me remind you, dear viewers and listeners, that we've talked about two different kinds of freedom in the past. Freedom to bully and freedom from being bullied. Lewis F. Powell, in his famed memorandum, wrote to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and business leaders in general in an attempt to preserve freedom, but it was freedom to bully rather than freedom from bullies. I went back and reread it. It's chilling because it's so pointed. The freedom he wants to preserve is freedom to exploit America's working poor. He doesn't like unions. He doesn't like organized labor at all. He doesn't like college professors. He doesn't like people who foment rebellion. And while we're at it, let me remind you of previous episodes of James M. Buchanan, who also was working along these lines. The freedom they're describing is freedom to bully. And after you hear Victor's remarks about President Obama, you'll see that he's aiming for this same sort of freedom. Freedom for transnational corporations to carry out this same plan that Louis F. Powell was trying to achieve, and also James M. Buchanan. Both of these guys were pretty sneaky. Obama is no less sneaky. Because he's a Democrat, he gets away with doing these kinds of things. If he were not a Democrat, there would be much greater hue and cry. I'm going to play the first minute of Obama's speech so you can get an idea of what Victor was reacting to. As you've seen by now, this isn't a normal convention. It's not a normal time. So tonight, I want to talk as plainly as I can about the stakes in this election. Because what we do these next 76 days will echo through generations to come. I'm in Philadelphia, where our Constitution was drafted and signed. So smug. It wasn't a perfect document. It allowed for the inhumanity of slavery and failed to guarantee women, and even men who didn't own property, the right to participate in the political process. But embedded in this document was a North Star that would guide future generations. A system of representative government, a democracy, through which we could better realize our highest ideals. Through civil war and bitter struggles, we improved this Constitution to include the voices of those who'd once been left out. And gradually, we made this country more just and more equal and more free. You didn't. So Victor was stung by the blatant hypocrisy of Obama talking about our Constitution that way. He particularly has problems with the Trans-Pacific Partnership. The Trans-Pacific Partnership is designed to achieve freedom for transnational corporations to bully. It's the kind of freedom, freedom that Lewis F. Powell was trying to achieve and that James M. Buchanan was trying to achieve. Victor wrote a book with Patrick Walker called Bernie or Bust, Pioneers of Electoral Revolt, 
that deals with this topic in great detail, but I'll give you some of Victor's recent remarks and then refer you to this book if you want more information. Obama's Trans-Pacific Partnership threatened our, quote, democracy, which is actually a corporate plutocracy slash oligarchy, as much, if not more, than anything Trump has or has not done so far. Corporations writing their own rules for self-government in secret negotiations with 11 other countries that would prevent the regulators, our representatives in government, from regulating transnational corporations from those countries that are operating in our country, state, county, town, and village. Drilling down on the details of the TPP exposes a system of corporate order of, by, and for the elites who run those corporations that would be superimposed over the system of lawmaking the framers gave us. The very people Obama is trying to use to attack Trump. The Bush slash Obama slash Biden TPP not only makes Obama the king of hypocrisy, it alone makes Biden the enemy of working class Americans with jobs that can be outsourced. U.S. sovereignty, what's left of it, democratic self-government, long-standing treaty-protected national self-determination. Trump is dangerous, but he's not driving a new international order. He's leading an old 19th century tariff order in line with his overall reactionary version of neoliberalism. The TPP, on the other hand, would lead to a new world order. Joe Biden's description of the TPP, he described it that way as the new world order. You can find it on YouTube. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually um, uh, create uh, uh, a new world order. Obama used the phrase fundamentally transform the United States. Fundamentally transform the United States. Nothing he accomplished did that, but the TPP would have fundamentally transformed the U.S. into a haven for corporate behavior. Again, crafted by the corporate lawyers and corporate officers themselves and enforced by investor corporations, state dispute tribunals. Again, folks, this is freedom to bully, not freedom from being bullied. Because Obama orchestrated the defeat of Sanders using the manufactured unity around Biden, we are left with Sophie's choice of threats, Trump or the TPP, which is Biden. Fuck Obama. He's very smart and knows exactly what he and Wall Street were attempting. His last trade representative, Michael Froman, came from Citibank, the very same man who picked the lion's share of Obama's cabinet in 2008. And this is me. I don't know if you've noticed, but Biden's cabinet has a lot of the same kinds of people and even some of the same people. Hidden in legalese few Americans can understand is a new world order that banksters, political puppets like Obama and Biden are better suited to impose on the American people because they have a D after their names. If Biden is elected, the McResistance movement will go to sleep. That's another reason why Biden is more dangerous to our democracy than Trump. Liberals mobilizing against Trump is far better than the same people allowing the imposition of corporate legal order over and top to bottom through the framers system of government. It's Biden, far and away more than Trump, who's a threat to US democracy. Obama is a complete fraud, not liberal at all, but a neoliberal to the core. If I had written that sentence, I would have said, Obama is a complete fraud, not progressive at all. 
but a neoliberal to the core. Because what I'm finding is that traditional liberalism is pretty much neoliberalism. It's totally market-driven, and Maggie and Ronnie, Maggie Thatcher and Ronnie Reagan, would have been firmly in favor of traditional liberalism, at least the economic part. The main difference is the social part between liberals and conservatives. New liberals, new Democrats, and new conservatives, we've talked about this at length in other episodes, are united at the hip when it comes to economic issues. It's all market-driven, and it's all corporate-driven, and it's all plutocrat-favoring. It's all about freedom to bully. So again, I'll refer you to Bernie or Bust, Pioneers of Electoral Revolt, so you can get a better handle on this. And you can see why Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and by extrapolation, Joe Biden, are quite a bit more dangerous when it comes to this issue than Donald Trump is. What jerks people's chain about Donald Trump is mostly social issues. Most of the arguments that say Joe Biden is much better than Donald Trump revolve around social issues. Although we would be remiss if we didn't mention Trump's tax cuts that favor the wealthy. And we absolutely don't want to minimize the importance of social issues. But what we keep stressing is that social issues often can be solved by solving the underlying economic issues. Bernie wasn't the only one talking this way. Malcolm X and Dr. King also were speaking along these lines. What big corporations are doing when they put out ads in support of Black Lives Matter is using social issues as a smokescreen to try to keep you from paying attention to the underlying economic issues. Mainstream media wave the social issues in front of all of our faces like a shiny object so that we won't pay attention to economic justice. Obama and all the rest of the neoliberal team are working this way to keep you from paying attention to economic issues. We'll never achieve racial justice, we'll never achieve social justice, unless we can achieve economic justice. And economic justice is the last thing that these defenders of freedom to bully want. And the only way you can tell them apart is by paying attention to how they feel about economic issues. And that's where Joe Biden falls flat on his face, and he has for his entire career. Jeffrey St. Clair had a lot to say about the whole proceedings, the whole DNC proceedings. His counterpunch article is called Roaming Charges, Conventional Weapons at the DNC. Because he had so much to say about it, I'll let you read it yourself, but I'll put the middle part in here so you can see what's going on. Remember when organized labor dominated these conventions? Now their chief champion in the Senate, Sherrod Brown, is reduced to a subliminal moment. In the background of Elizabeth Warren's live shot at an early childhood center, multicolored block letters spelled out BLM. Where was this Warren eight months ago? Plotting the undermining of Sanders, I guess, and blowing up her own campaign in the process. So Obama comes to us from the history of the American Revolution Museum, standing next to an exhibit on the U.S. Constitution featuring a portrait of little Jimmy Madison, who took his slaves with him when he moved to the White House with his wife Dolly. When Madison died, he still owned more than a hundred slaves, none of whom were freed after his death. Did Obama preserve and defend, or ignore, erode, and assault the First, Second, Fourth, Fifth, Sixth, and Seventh Amendments? 
Obama didn't call the press the enemy of the people, but treated many reporters as the enemy of his administration and jailed them. Obama ignored Biden's one sound piece of advice, which was not to pursue a troop surge in Afghanistan. Obama gave a real American carnage speech. Too bad he didn't give it to himself 10 years ago. Jeffrey's other comments are equally pithy and relevant, so I hope you get a chance to read the entire article. We need to keep hammering home the fact that all neoliberals are disingenuous when it comes to helping the working class. They are owned by and fully in support of transnational corporations. They are not in support of our national sovereignty. They want to put transnational corporations who have no loyalty to anyone out of the reach of regulation of any kind. That kind of freedom, the freedom to bully, is in no way designed to help we, the people.